0: Hello everyone and welcome to Outside World Occultism the podcast with the highest rate of chimera attacks to date. With me today are Katya, hello. JT, hello. Lev, hello. And F Hi. Today we're going to be discussing possibly the gayest bit of canonical Toho media, the Hifu Club
1: CDs. We should probably start by explaining what the Hifu Club is and who the characters are. We
2: should probably explain why we're calling it the Hifu Club. We already touched on that in an earlier episode, but it's worth recounting.
3: I don't think everyone's listened to all of them.
1: I mean, they are like an hour long. If you can't set aside six hours of your evening just to listen to us and do nothing else, then can you really call yourself a true fan?
3: I know that every fan in my house is very good about sitting around and listening to the podcast, which is part of why I have blankets over so many walls of this room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why is it called the Hifu Club? What does that actually mean?
0: It literally just means secret seal. Like, as in something that is sealed away, not as in the absolutely wonderful animals.
3: <laughs> Unless there is a seal being magically restrained somewhere under Tokyo. Or is it, I think it's Kyoto?
0: Yeah, it's Kyoto. Tokyo is a little bit underwater, but that's not that relevant.
3: Godzilla was chillin'. He needed a hot tub. It happens.
0: <laughs> godzilla chillin'? <Yeah>. godzilla <laughs>
2: But yeah, anyway, I guess the whole seal thing isn't actually that relevant to the whole theme.
0: It used to be more relevant, but it's not now.
2: Yeah, and in the first couple CDs, there was more mention of them, like, unraveling the secrets of the world and all that, looking for the seals.
3: It's normally translated in English as the secret sealing club, because of how Mm -hmm. verbs and nouns interact in Japanese, which is very strange because that's not what they do
0: that's the opposite of what they do
2: (laughs) and it's kind of obvious even from the first cd where it's mentioned so in that sense it's kind of weird that it ever got translated that way but you know translation's a bitch
3: it's like if you were to take a group of insurance investigators and call them the arson club
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean you probably could
1: you know this would make a great story
3: (laughs) Uh, yeah, mild-mannered insurance investigator Usami Ranko investigating a series of mysterious uh, incidents and this girl who seems to be caught up in them.
1: That would make a very interesting
0: story. Ranko's not evil enough to be an insurance person, though. We should probably introduce what a Hifu is, though, and what the girls who do... The Hifu things are.
1: Yeah, so the Hifu Club is a club at a university with two members, Renko Osami and Maribel Harn. So they're two university students. Renko is a physics major, Maribel is a psychology major. We don't really get into their school life too much. They're probably both failing or barely scraping by. Yeah, I would believe so. The CDs mostly focus on their supernatural powers and them using those powers to explore fantastical worlds and places. Renko's power is not really that relevant. She can look up at the sky and... (laughs) tell what time it is and where she is exactly.
3: And whether or not that's a supernatural power is kind of ambiguous. It might just be her doing the mental math really fast.
0: Her eyes are said to be weird like Maribel's eyes though so I think it's at least somewhat supernatural even if like it's supernaturally fast calculations or something.
2: But on the other hand she mentioned that she can only do like Japanese time and apparently it doesn't occur to her that she could just Add or reduce number well, hours from that.
0: Don't mean to her?
2: <laughs> speaking as a mathematician,
3: that is the exact sort of thing that I would forget I could do. So <laughs> that at least is completely believable for someone in the more abstract sciences.
4: And speaking as a certified dumbass lesbian, that is also the sort of thing I would forget I could do. So it's doubly plausible.
0: Between math and chem is physics-ish, sort of. So... Yes, we have a dumbass lesbian chemist and a dumbass mathematician combining to say yes, that is something that is perfectly plausible.
2: Yeah, on average, we have a dumbass physicist on the show. (laughs)
3: Hey, I had a minor in physics. You have me! I have a a published paper in technically physics in the sense that, you know, mathematicians like to call a lot of things physics as revenge for the terrible, terrible things that physicists do to infinitesimals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will not apologize for my crimes to infinite decimals! <laughs> I will not repent!
3: It's alright, they're insignificant.
2: <laughs> the whole he setting does have a lot of surprisingly in-depth stuff about how physics has developed as a science, but I'm not sure that's the topic we're on right now.
0: We probably have to discuss what kind of club these two girls are in. Well, it started off as just a club to find out if there was any supernatural stuff left in the world, and then it moved to, yeah, there's a lot of supernatural stuff in the world and it's causing a little bit of trouble for my girlfriend and her special eyes.
1: We should also introduce Maribel's power in order to continue this discussion, which is that her eyes let her see, like, boundaries or gaps in space and time that reveal either other worlds or a fantastical aspect to the world that they are currently in she can see and
0: arguably manipulate boundaries although she's not really that good at it at all that
1: kind of develops with time
3: yeah she is getting stronger sort of it's never really the focus
0: yeah the only time where it's really the focus is Possibly Changeability of Strange Dream, which is the second Hifu CD.
3: It's kind of important in neo-traditionalism of Japan, too, but as a framing device.
0: We'll get into that later.
1: Maribel is actually not super enthusiastic. She's not the one taking charge of the club activities, really.
0: I think she's probably just, yeah, there's supernatural stuff. I see it all the time. Renko, why do we have to keep exploring this?
3: They have sort of a weird... Inverse Mulder and Scully sort of dynamic (laughs) where Renko is the rational scientific person and is also super into finding and understanding all of this supernatural stuff, whereas Mary is, she's the psychologist, she's much more of the people skills and ideals sort of person but she doesn't really have as much enthusiasm for the supernatural as much as being dragged along by Renko.
2: Yeah she does have her moments though like in I think it was neo-traditionalism which is a hell of a name by the way. It's a very Zun title. Yeah with the Izanagi stuff she kind of starts confusing Renko.
0: In the last three, maybe four CDs, she's sort of started to snowball ahead of Renko with her understanding of the supernatural, not necessarily her enthusiasm for it. Yeah. Oh, we should also talk about the events of the CDs, shouldn't we?
2: When do we address the name?
0: Oh yeah, we need to address the name. Right, so Maribel Karn is... It's not actually her proper name that's given in the works, because she isn't actually given a... A real name. <laughs> ...Western name in Romaji.
3: Her name is a Japanese key smash.
0: It's Maeri Beeri Han, which is not something that you can transliterate out of possibly any Western existing name.
2: Yeah, the I in there really throws it off.
1: If you want to be, like, as literal as possible, the closest name that you could create for her would be Mary Berry. Which is nice. Yeah, it's cute and adorable. It would actually probably be
0: Myri Berry because of vague Celtic roots.
3: The Myri ends up being something like Mary once you take it out of Celtic orthography, though.
0: Well, we don't know what European country she's from. It's probably Ireland because Lough, Cadio Hearn connections, but if it's not Ireland, then it could very well be not (laughs) Miri.
3: Let's just call her Mary.
0: Yeah, Mary.
3: That's what she's actually called 90% of the time in the CDs, is Renko can't say her name properly, so she just calls her Mary.
1: That's the main point of her name, is that it's this unpronounceable foreign name that Renko can't really say, so she just calls her Mary.
0: Maribel wonders if anybody will actually remember her real name. After a while.
2: And the fandom used to not agree on whether Mary should be written with an A or an E, but it's mostly settled on E since then.
3: Yeah, Mary as in Christmas.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> not Mary as in what Renko will do with her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the other thing to know is of any Toho pairing that exists, ren Mary is by far the most, I think, universally agreed upon and most widely accepted. It's essentially an exercise in reading comprehension.
2: Yes. yes. (laughs) Plus, they don't exactly have a lot of competition either.
0: I'm sure to have a great time because I'm with you, Mary.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have a
3: feeling if you look at the number of Ship materials with either Renko or Maribel. The amount that ships them with someone other than the other person is going to be staggeringly small.
1: Statistically speaking, it would round to zero. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah I can absolutely. imagine
2: it. Yeah, like I can imagine like a hypothetical story where either of them and something gets okio and gets shipped with someone but that's you know really niche
0: that doesn't really happen that
2: much
3: yeah i can construct a renko sane or something but that doesn't mean it exists in like a tangible (laughs) form until i just spoke it into existence now
2: getting really heavy here
1: I guess the other thing that we didn't mention that's really important is that they're not from Gensokyo. They're just random people from the outside world. Oh yeah, they're also in the
0: future.
3: They're in like a weird, not quite cyberpunk.
1: It's
0: essentially what Zune considers a natural progression of the current state of the
1: world, basically.
3: In the not too distant future, next Sunday A.D.
1: We'll get into the details of their world as we work our way through the albums. Do we want to just get into Ghostly Field Club first? Sure. Yeah. It's the first Hifu album. It sets the tone for their relationship and their adventures and establishes that Renko is always late, even though she can perfectly tell time no matter where she is. Relatable. It's actually the two of them texting for most of the dialogue, which is really cute. Oh, really? I didn't realize that.
2: It doesn't come across in the translation, but in the Japanese, there's a spot where Mary specifically commenting on Renko using the wrong kanji, which tells us that they're actually writing.
1: Ah, that makes sense. So, Ghostly Field Club is about our girls exploring a cemetery together, and Renko is the one who initiates this, which I think is really funny because... I'm just picturing Renko inviting Mary to go see a cemetery together. It's romantic. Yeah, she gives her like a freaking photo of a random ancient temple and is like, hey, this is the netherworld.
0: And then mysteriously says, ooh, I have connections you don't know, Mary.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Mary's like, how come you have a photo of the netherworld? And Renko's like, oh, you know. That's probably Sumireko.
2: Yeah, what do you think? Is is it Sumi or is it something else or is it just, uh, you know, made up? I think it's retroactively Sumiriko.
0: Sumireko existed as Renko's ancestor before she existed as the annoying chun teenager.
1: Yeah, and Sumireko is the modern-day president of the Hifu Club. It's mostly
3: significant for her ambiguous connections to Renko, and we'll get into ambiguous connections (laughs) later.
1: (laughs) Oh yes, we certainly will. But yeah, so Sumireko is the modern-day president of the Hifu Club. She's all by herself. And in the future, there's this other girl with the same name and even the same hat.
3: Same style of given name, too, because Sumiriko is like...
1: It's Flower Child. Renko is Lotus Child. The default name would be
0: Hanako, which is actually pretty funny with Urban Legend in Limbo and Reese's oh Urban God. Legend, but...
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back around, uh, Ghostly Field Club.
0: Ah, yes. Ghostly Field Club. They go and investigate this graveyard, and Maribel's boundary vision ability lets her see which grave will unlock the netherworld if they turn it 25 degrees at 2.30 a.m.
2: Okay, so casual vandalism.
1: Yeah, so they explore a cemetery and mess with the graves and then find out that the n- netherworld is there. Does anything else really like actually happen, or do they just kind of see the netherworld?
2: Yeah, not really.
1: They just see the netherworld, and then they
0: mention the Hakurei Shrine at the end, but I don't think that it even exists as a shrine on the outside anymore.
2: Yeah, by the way, did we specify that just like was mentioned in the Dolce Pseudo Paradise episode, I think the music cities have like a mix of new songs, which are, you know, generally considered hivu songs, and then newer ranges of previous game songs, and they all tie into a specific part of the story.
1: I don't think we need to specifically mention which song. Eternal Festival of Illusions is very good. We're gonna talk about the songs later.
2: Yeah, I just thought we should mention that fact.
1: Is this the first time that it's established that there is, in fact, a Hakkari shrine on the outside? That's just kind of a defunct, abandoned shrine that nobody goes to?
3: Yes, to my knowledge, this is the first time we find anything out about the outside.
0: This is literally in 2003, I think, this CD was released. So, yes, this was definitely the earliest mention of the Hakurei Shrine being on the outside.
1: Also, I just want to say, I think that the line from Mary that's like, my partner, who has a habit of looking up the night sky and murmuring the time, is running late for our appointment, is really cute. <laughs> yeah, like, it is. It's just like, she's, she's just very annoyed with her girlfriend for <laughs> being late. I love the fact that the Hifu
0: CDs are basically all internal narration because the girls voices are so cute oh also this is one of the only cds that maribel narrates i think because renko narrates most of the later cds so that's interesting
2: yeah that's also one part where the translation kind of mixes things up because it's not always really sure who's who should be narrating
1: so ghostly field club the girls explore a cemetery is this the first time they do anything together like this?
2: I don't think it's the first, first time.
1: I don't think it's the first time, but it's definitely
0: the first time that something amazing like this has happened, I think. That makes sense, yeah. Them yeah. actually accessing the netherworld.
3: Congratulations, you finally figured out barrier skip, Maribel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she needs to be the premier Wind Waker speedrunner now. <laughs> <laughs> so, next city, changeability of... Strange Dream is another Maribel narration CD for at least some of it. It's not Maribel narrated for all of it. It's essentially about Maribel has been having some really weird dreams lately. They feel a lot more real than other dreams she's had in the past and that would be because well she can actually bring items back out of the dreams. so yes they are an actual reality. And she's Mm. telling this to Renko because she feels like she's half losing her mind.
2: Yeah, the dreams kind of become an ever larger theme from here on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the theme of the Hifu CDs is definitely dream and reality.
1: Yeah, there's even a line in this one that says, Mary said that dreams and reality are the same thing.
3: As long as you know how to clip out of one and into the other
1: yeah and in this one so mary is kind of freaking out about traveling to this other world in her dreams but it seemed so real and she also ends up getting chased by monsters in this other world like if she was just going
0: to the park or something in her dreams she probably wouldn't be as distressed but she is
1: being chased by like giant mouse-like beings <laughs> yeah he also meets moko and also a maid a mysterious maid with a large mansion, who's probably Sakaya.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. all agree. She can be Yumiko in my heart.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but does Shinki really have such a huge mansion?
1: Yeah, so Renko becomes convinced that
0: having her pursue this new reality is a good thing, and causing her to do the opposite will cause her more harm than
1: good. Yeah, she believes that it's not just a dream, and that Mary really did cross over into another world... So she's sort of torn between, how can I help Mary through this? Because she's obviously, you know, stressed out about it. And she's like, okay, so do I convince her that it was all just a dream? Or do I convince her that she was in another world? And she decides to go with the second one because she says... Make your dreams a reality. Yeah. She says that way she won't die in the dream because she'll, you know, sort of take it seriously which is an interesting thing for Renko to be preoccupied with.
2: It's a good point.
1: Yeah. This is also the first CD
0: that talks about what the future is like, which is kind of grim, actually. Yeah,
1: they don't live in a good timeline.
0: Perhaps the day will come when the streets will be filled with the smiles of children. Synthetically, that is. <laughs>
2: I was thinking about the word synthetic is probably one of the biggest themes of the whole Hifu series right after Dreams and kind of connected to the same thing.
3: The k- thematic tie there is that it portrays that what we see as real is something we have fabricated for ourselves.
1: It is in fact a dream. Yeah, that's especially a theme
0: in retrospective 53 minutes.
3: Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Which I think is the next CD?
0: Yep, that's the next one.
3: Perfect segue.
2: (laughs) 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 This whole CD kind of has a special place in my heart for some mental association reason of having listened to it while, I don't know, studying for college entry exams. But the...
0: This is also the gayest
2: one. I, like, originally knew that the plot was about them going on a train ride and having fun and enjoying the sights. I was kind of crushed when I actually read it and the whole train ride and the scenery outside was just uh, like projected on the walls.
1: Yeah, so they take a train. The entire album is one 53-minute conversation between the girls on a train running to Tokyo.
4: Yes, Tokyo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, to Tokyo because they're going on a date.
1: They're going on a date, yes. Mm -hmm. The whole time, they're watching this projection of the outside that is not actually the outside. It's this sort of idealized panorama of this majestic vision of Mount Fuji and the sea. Hi, Hiroshige.
2: The train's actually going in a tunnel.
1: Yeah, it's going through a tunnel the whole time, and it's very manufactured and synthetic. It's
3: just a straight shot from Kyoto to Tokyo.
1: Officially,
0: it goes under Mount Fuji, but in actuality, it goes under Aokigahara, which we're not going to get into too deep discussion here, but it's a very sad place.
1: Yeah. And so the whole time I'm just waxing philosophical about fake scenery and aren't you bored with it?
2: Also, really deep dialogue about art, which is probably gonna go over everyone's heads. <laughs> I know it did mine.
1: Uh, why don't you explain that a little bit?
2: Um, shit. <laughs> they're, they're like... <laughs> <laughs> the train is called the Hiroshige Super Express, and Hiroshige was this, I think, nineteenth century. Was it? Yeah, late 19th century. 19th century Japanese artist who was famous for painting the Japanese countryside and Mount Fuji and all that. It was being compared to some other artist whose name I don't remember, which I appreciate, which is why I appreciate you putting me on the spot like this.
3: Hokusai. <laughs> you literally started this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> fine. So... It's Katsushika
0: Hokusai <laughs> compared to Utakawa Hiroshige. And in the current day, Katsushika Hokusai is considered the more artistic artist, but in Renko and Maribel's day, it's Hiroshige, which probably brings some philosophical stuff to the table that I'm too tired to talk about right now.
3: People who know Japanese art history, please send us the explanation of the connotations of this.
4: Well, there is one immediate connotation pretty relevant for their conversation as a whole. Hiroshige and Hokusai were both ukiyo e artists, and that literally translates to floating world or pictures from the floating world. So the emphasis was on pleasure and heightened sensitivity and color.
0: It's basically like more real than reality, more real feeling
2: than reality. Kind of romanticist.
4: Yeah, hyper-reality as uh, Baudrillard would have it.
1: Coincidentally, the beautiful views of Mount Fuji on the Kalido screen, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, more real than reality. Renko, the Mount Fuji displayed on the walls of the tunnel is a bit too dynamic, isn't it? They talk about how when they arrive at the end, the scene starts playing credits (laughs) for just the scenery that they're displaying on the screen. There's a lot of talk about how the reality is not actually what is being displayed on the screen. And it says
0: they even try to claim credit for the scenery displayed here as opposed to just the pictures.
1: Which is interesting when you consider the sort of context that the story takes place in, with the setting being kind of this post-climate collapse environment. Tokyo is a little bit underwater.
3: Magical astronomy gives us a bit more implications of that.
1: Magical
0: astronomy is where Zun starts going on his anti-capitalist tilt for the rest of the Hifu CDs.
1: Yeah, and also the reason they're making this trip is, well, they're going on a day, yes, but they're also going to, I think, Renko's family grave?
3: No, that was a joke by Renko. Yeah, they're visiting her parents in Tokyo. Yeah,
4: for Higan. Okay. Which is
2: also kind (laughs) of sweet.
1: Yeah, she's meeting her family.
3: Which is, you know, something that you do with your friends, right? You just take a trip across the country to, you know, introduce them to your parents. It's what friends do. Pals.
4: Gal pals, yeah. (laughs) Just gals being pals. Good
3: buddies.
0: Partners.
1: Yeah, they also made plans to do, quote-unquote, club activities. So, you know, go hunting for weird ghosts and stuff.
2: Enjoy the Tokyo nightlife.
1: Yeah, they were going to visit the (laughs) Netherworld.
3: just Akihabara.
1: Visiting the Netherworld.
0: Aokigahara is actually... Not something Renko mentions at all. It's.
3: My riff wasn't Akihara. I said, isn't that just Akihabara?
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have fool syndrome. I have just absolute dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, neither of them mention the place that it passes under because they don't know that it passes under there.
1: Mary makes mention of feeling ill once they do pass under it, I think, at some mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is probably which because, sense. well, it's a very sad place. This album specifically has a special place in my heart because of the single line where O says, Tokyo is a spiritual city just like Kyoto, so we'll be able to have a great time because I'm with you, Mary, which is very gay.
0: Technically, it's because of her ability, but it's pretty obvious that you don't just say something like that to someone.
3: There are straighter ways to <laughs> say that. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. One other reason why they're so gay, neither of them use honorifics for each other, even though they're in the outside world, where using honorifics for people who are your friends is actually still common.
3: And their world is implicitly more formal than present earth as well.
0: In modern Japan, they would be calling each other Renko-chan or Mary-chan, even if they were really close friends, because going first name-chan is quite close already, quite familiar. (laughs) So going first name, no
1: honorific, is just... Harold. You big gay video games. (laughs) Yeah, they're very much dating and they only get more dating. Like, I'm just kind of scrolling through the story and retrospective 53 minutes is, like, way longer than the first two.
0: Yeah, that's probably because it's Zoom going off about art history for an hour (laughs) or so.
2: I was reading through them in order and after the first two I was like, I'm gonna be done in, like, 15 minutes. But then I (laughs) I got there.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I wonder if the playtime on the music is actually 53 minutes. That'd be great. That's what
0: I was just wondering. I think I have the music on my computer, but I don't want to go through all of that
1: right now. Yeah. I think the final thing I want to say about this album is Zun's comments at the end. He's talking about Renko and Mary, and he says, The two girls seem to be just slightly smarter than most their age. Smart girls are cool. <laughs> <laughs>
3: True ally. <laughs> I mean the only good man
2: smart girl honestly sounds like some early twentieth century slang,
3: <laughs> <laughs> so uh magical astronomy is next, I believe,
0: yeah, it's time for moon tour,
1: an actual date,
2: <laughs> which they don't get to go on, yeah, so
3: Renko and Mary talk about going to the moon, <laughs> which is a thing that you can do,
0: yeah, there's private moon tours in this era. Unfortunately, they're prohibitively expensive because...
3: Thanks, Jeff Bezos!
2: (laughs) Anyway?
0: Yes, they're prohibitively expensive because of, well, Zune flat out says it's capitalism, so...
3: Yeah, like, there's no subtlety in this CD at all. He compares capitalism to Noah's Ark.
0: Is this the Noah's Ark that capitalism is showing us, and should the people left on Earth drown in the flood of information?
3: No politics in Toho, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely none whatsoever. So this sort of serves to paint another picture of what life in this world is like.
0: It's also one giant Silent center in Blue reference.
1: That's true. Yeah, so it paints this picture of what life is like in this world. There's all of these super insane diversions for the wealthy, like, moon tours, while most people cannot even dream of being able to afford that. Franco and Mary spend a lot of time talking about how fun it would be to go to the moon together and go on one of these tours. They make, like, really adorable plans. They go, like, and we'll bring dumplings.
0: We'll go during the harvest moon. Yeah. (laughs) Which is just very cute. And then also Renko calls herself a smartest plank because of course she does.
2: More like smart as a plank.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't um. be mean. <laughs>
2: But yeah, um, anyway, there's these other parts in the albums, I think, where it's either mentioned or implied that poverty, per se, has mostly disappeared. But as the other parts show, the relatively poor people still have it pretty lame. Their life kind of sucks and is sad.
1: Poverty is something that is relative.
2: Yeah, obviously.
3: The people who were going to starve
1: have already starved.
2: Yeah, basically that too. That's
3: the implication of the HIFU timeline.
1: And there's also population control, but that's later. Yeah, so this album is mostly Renko and Mary talking about space and wanting to go to space and a lot of physics and (laughs) philosophy.
3: Don't they touch on the lunar capital briefly as well?
0: The moon may be hiding a forgotten world, a lunar capital with advanced civilization where nobles live. Rabbits would make medicine of immortality while gazing at the three-legged crow living in the sun and worrying about mankind, excited about the moon tour. You're the only one that can see that world, Mary. Hmm. That's not a Silent center in blue reference.
2: <laughs> was that part of the text?
0: Oh, wow. I forgot this line was there. You're right. I want to go there before humans gather and colonize all of it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no politics in Toho, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is that going to be a catchphrase?
3: I think it's going to be a catchphrase. Oh, no. At least yeah. for this episode. The hifus are not subtle.
0: Yeah. They're not subtle about the fact that Toho is gay. They're not subtle about the fact that Toho has politics.
1: Yeah. And so at the end of this CD, Mary is looking at the moon. She's looking at a reflection of the moon in the water. And she gets an idea and she's like, Hey, Renko, if the moon tour is too expensive, why don't we try thinking of another way to get there? Which is the first major reference to another character.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that other character in a while. Yeah. We should probably finish up the CD's left, though.
1: Yeah, so this brings us to our next CD, which is Trojan Green Asteroid, my favorite.
0: It's so cool. Renko's a video game character.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this previous episode was them planning a date on the moon. This episode is them going on a date in space. This is incidentally also where we are recording our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This one starts with, hey, you know about Tarifane, right? Torifene? ah, you mean that space station where the accident occurred? Uh oh. Torifene is the name of the ill-fated space station where everything aboard died due to some unexplained mechanical trouble a few years ago. Um, so we have that to look forward to.
3: Hey look, all I'm saying is no systematic failure is going to come out of me putting blankets on the fans, and it helps my audio quality a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm kind of worried about the system where we're locked in different parts of the station to have to talk through chat, but...
3: I don't know. As long as nobody makes us watch any more cheesy movies and monitors our minds, I'm quite content.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, they're talking about the satellite Tarifene, which was a satellite that got loaded up with a bunch of different plant and animal life and launched into space to see if it could adapt to life in space.
0: And they think everything inside died, except... It didn't.
1: Yeah, Mary's like, I think they might still be alive.
0: Because she's been dreaming of being inside of it.
1: Yeah, she can see inside of it and they want to go check it out. As time has gone on, Mary's kind of gotten better at manipulating her abilities to the extent that she can bring Renko with her into these quote-unquote dream worlds. And so they use Mary's ability to start exploring the space station, Yeah, which is completely overgrown. It's just like a wild jungle inside the space station.
0: It's full of strange and magnificent plants and animals, like the one that's standing next to my computer, staring at me <laughs> right now.
3: <laughs> Did you remember to feed it? They can get kind of finicky about that. <laughs> One keeps calling me Seymour.
0: (laughs) 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 But essentially, yeah, they go to Torifune together one night and end up seeing the amazing diversity of life that is still there. And then
1: get attacked by a chimera. And I think in the lead
3: up to this, it's kind of important to note that Mary is always a little bit cautious through all of this. While Renko is jumping off the floors in low gravity. And for all that Renko is saying that the dreams are another world in the outside, she's still approaching it in the context of virtual reality or a dream, while Mary is much more cautious at this point.
4: Yeah, pretty yeah. much.
1: So they get attacked by this chimera and they run away. They leave the dream, they escape, and they're like, that was close. And then Renko's like, that was actually kind of fun. Let's do that again. <laughs> So they do.
2: There are two kinds of people. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much word for word.
1: Mary's like unsure. She's like, you know, it's kind of dangerous. I don't know if I want to do this. But Renko
0: is just like, humans can be whatever they want to be in their dreams. So she is essentially lost sight of the fact that this is reality for Maribel. And then they go back and they have some fun. Renko pretends to be the protagonist of a shoot 'em up <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right now, it's almost like I'm a protagonist of a shooting game called Toho. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Even if this is a dream, I don't think you'd
1: be able to shoot bullets of light or anything.
2: Yeah, you'd have to throw some needles or something.
1: Yeah, that's, so that's a fun little reference. And then they get attacked again by the monster. And
0: it actually does manage to scratch Mary.
2: Uh, Surprised Pikachu
1: face. It scratches Mary, injures her, but they make it out okay, and...
0: That's the lead up to the next CD.
1: Yeah, so they wake up from this dream, quote-unquote, and Mary is still hurt, so they go to the hospital.
0: They said it wasn't infected, so it's fine. It was not fine.
2: This shows that, that, apparently at least for Mary, if you die in the dream, you die for real.
0: So that's not going to cause her any anxiety in the future.
1: <laughs> traditionalism of Japan.
0: The CD where we find out that care for the sick isn't actually as good as it's said to be in the future.
3: No politics in Toho, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Mary has been scratched by the space chimera, and they take her to the hospital. They think it's fine, but she starts coming down with symptoms that medicine can't place and so they conclude that because there are no undiscovered viruses on earth uh, she has to be sort of mentally ill and confine her until she recovers
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And while she's in confinement, she's seeing these vivid visions...
0: That, of course, are being called hallucinations.
3: Mythological Japan and its origins. And the CD is, after she comes out, her narrating all of this to Renko. And this is sort of the point where the Mary's powers are getting stronger arc really kicks in. After Neotraditionalism, it's sort of in a holding pattern.
0: It's in a holding pattern of Maribel's powers are getting more notable and that she's managing to do new and cool things and she's acting sort of weird and Rinko's afraid that she'll leave her behind. That's not saying anything.
3: You know, as friends do.
0: She's seeing things when she's awake as well as asleep and they're not just other worlds. They're other times of the world that exists
4: right now. Also, she's afraid she's going to get sucked into hell, but it's okay. She's just getting sucked into the past.
2: Yeah, that's just normal.
1: So this one has a lot of Renko thinking about Mary and just sort of we can get a glimpse into her mind and thought processes about Mary. And I think the only conclusion you can draw from those is that Renko is gay. <laughs> yeah,
0: essentially Renko is gay and she's worried about her girlfriend.
1: This is kind of the point where Renko starts getting this sort of like almost, um, I don't want to say worshipful, but she... like sort of ostrich. Reverence. Yeah, Yeah, reverence. That's a really good word, and quite a gay one. Yeah. (laughs) She starts developing this kind of reverence for Mary and her abilities. And I think she's
0: said that Mary might be becoming something more than human before, but this is probably where it really starts to kick in for her.
1: Yeah, Renko couldn't help thinking that Mary was on the same level as those yokai.
0: And then in basically the next Two CDs, they publish a little article on what Mary has experienced, and then they go on a date to a bar together. Not a dateless bar. (laughs) 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 And talk about that sort of thing, and then...
3: Well, they talk about the book anonymously with fans of the book.
0: And then Mary... Mm -hmm. Shows off the stories that these people who are fans of the book have also experienced through a mirror.
2: I I always find it kind of amusing that the book they're uh, publishing, which is called Swallowstone Naturalist Historia, is actually, it's referred to as a self-published book, which of course is in the original Japanese, (laughs) a Oh my god. Yeah, it's literally called a in the text.
1: I literally didn't realize that until just now. Maribel
0: and Renko have a stand at Kamiket.
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's the end of the
3: CDs, I guess, so...
4: Time for speculation.
2: That was kind of a speedrun, but...
3: There's a lot of speedrun jokes I could make in the Hifu CDs, but I've already made a couple clips than the barrier skip. So, speaking of barriers and skipping, so Yukari and Maribel, the name yeah. we've been trying not to say thus far into the podcast... <laughs> I'm going to break that ice with some nuclear weapons here.
0: Okay, so Yukari and Maribel have been seen by fans to be linked as early as literally Ghostly Field Club. Although that was just mostly based on their appearance and the similarity between their powers. In Changeability of Strange Dream is really when you start to see personality and action similarities between the two. And then, of course, sometime in one of his interviews, Zune decided to make the fandom go absolutely apeshit. Well saying yes, the fact that one of them's last name is Hearn and one of them's last name is Yakumo is in fact a reference to the author Lafcadio Hearn who changed his name to Koizumi Yakumo.
1: He is a sort of a scholar of Japanese folklore from history Yeah. who moved to Japan and changed his name after marrying a Japanese woman.
3: You know, as friends do.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, so I think the only conclusion to draw here is that Mary Bell is going to marry a Japanese woman and change her name. Yeah, that's the
2: relevant part of the connection.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so Yukari and Mary have, you know, very, very similar powers.
3: Or rather, Yukari's powers seem to be a generalization of Maribel's
1: powers. Yeah, like much more developed.
0: Yeah, Maribel's powers are essentially to perceive boundaries, and then Renko theorizes as early as changeability of Strange Dream that they might be changing to manipulating boundaries too, which is the exact language used around Yukari's ability.
3: And of course, they look very similar. They're drawn very similar, even by artists who didn't have previous Toho experience. Specifically, uh, Harukawa drew a Ceiling Club piece of official art, and she draws two characters with very distinctive eyes, and they are Yukari and Maribel.
0: Then there's also the fact that Yukari's name could easily have been something else if it was meant to encapsulate her pompous and mysterious character.
3: And in fact it was.
0: Yeah, in the second demo version of Perfect Cherry Blossom, her name was in fact Yukari Suzukaze. In the final demo version, which is approximately two comicettes before the release of Ghostly Field Club, her name was changed to Yukari Yakuma. Uh,
2: what so. kind of demo has the Phantasm boss anyway?
3: The data mind kind.
2: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> he doesn't include them in the new demos for probably pretty obvious reasons.
4: Yeah, so as we can see, Run Mary was a literacy test, and Yukari Bell is also a literacy test. I
3: yeah. think it's a different kind of, um...
4: Literacy test.
3: Yeah, it's a metatextual literacy test, because knowing there is a connection doesn't really inform you about what's next for either character. Like, I doubt at the end of Toho 18, Renko will pop out of a gap uh, to celebrate their wedding anniversary. It'd be
4: great if she did, though. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, you could hope.
1: (laughs) That's certainly something that we would all love to see. Big brain move. So, I think the biggest thing is that Yukari is credited as the sort of creator of Gensokyo. First of all, Maribel is from the future, and Gensokyo clearly exists.
0: In our present time, so people tend to get tripped up on that. Yeah. then Neo-Traditionalism of Japan came along and said Maribel can tra- time travel. Yeah. As one
4: does. Also perfect memento. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maribel's note, specifically making mention of Renko, was found... And is included in Perfect Memento as a curiosity. So she is traveling to the past of Gensokyo in her dreams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Explicitly. Obviously this is like pure speculation fueled. You have to come up with like an explanation for how all of this comes together. And how Maribel becomes Yukari and travels back in time. And creates Gensokyo. And creates like a stable time loop.
0: And what order that all is in. Or if it's a time loop at all. Mm
1: -hmm. It's just a lot of time travel nonsense. The The main point is that there is obviously a very clear connection and it's very strongly implied or outright stated, I guess, even, that they are the same person.
3: I don't know if it's outright stated that they're the same person. I think that's a natural conclusion, but I think the strongest explicit statement... Well, the strongest implicit statement that's one degree of separation from the text is, I think, that they are closely connected.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well... It would be, except for that one interview where
1: Zun mentioned Har
3: which is still a degree of separation from the text, though.
1: I mean, that's just him being a tease. Like, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> obvious. They're they're the same person.
3: It's the most natural explanation, but I would distinguish that from being a clear and direct conclusion. I think it's a very strong implication, but I, it's still not explicit, which is why it's there's so much. It's approximately
0: as explicit as Kassen being an Oni in the first, like, ten chapters of Wild yeah. and Her- Horned
3: Hermit.
2: Yeah. I think that's a comparison that's been made.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's less about, are they connected and what's the connection, but more, will we ever find out what the nature of the connection is in detail. Mm.
4: Yeah. The thematic connections are very intriguing. Again, Maribel is a pretty ordinary person living in the future. And uh, Yukari is Yukari.
0: It's funny because when we see Yukari's internal narration, she's extraordinarily normal.
4: True. And
0: yeah. we do... When there's seasonal dream vision and chapter five of Cage and Luna Take Run in the Gate, she just seems like an extraordinarily normal person who's slightly forgetful and has a slightly weird sense of morals, but she's nowhere near what she. Her thoughts are not weird compared to other
4: yokai. <laughs> right.
3: Her narration is very sort of similar to Maribel's as well in a series yeah. that's very heavy. On the significance of character voice.
0: Yeah, they use extremely similar ways of speaking. They do use slightly different particles at the ends of their sentences in the beginning of the Hifu CDs, but it actually changes to be more similar in particle notation towards the end of the Hifu CDs we have so far.
1: Yeah, but I think that's just maybe a consequence of growth and development over like 3,000 years or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's definitely what it is.
3: But the fact that the similarities exist and that they are converging in more recent works should not be dismissed in, especially in Toho where a lot of characters have distinctive manners of speech.
1: This may have been too ambitious for one episode. I I do think we should split this up into like three or four episodes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can do a whole year. Honestly.
1: I mean, we have
0: about half an hour of raw audio time left to not torture JT.
2: But we do
3: have some mailbag questions and things, too. Do we want to... So I won't be here next week. So it's what do y'all want to do next week? I
0: think that we could probably do an in-depth episode on literally every single aspect from the Hefu series. This is a pretty <laughs> yeah. good overview of what they are, what makes people so interested in them. We should probably have talked a little bit more about Renko and Maribel as
1: characters. Let's yeah. do that now, honestly. Let's just make this the introduction to HIFU episode, and then yeah. we can get deeper in future episodes.
2: I mean, we're yeah. already called outside world occultism, so it wouldn't be that much of a leap to make the whole podcast about HIFU.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I vote to support this. <laughs> but anyway, Renko and Mar- Marabal characters?
3: The thing with Renko is that... As much as she's the narrator and she's the, you know, like Ishmael in Moby Dick, you don't see much about Renko other than what she describes about what's going on around her. She's the narrator, but not necessarily the protagonist, I'd say.
0: She's the protagonist, but also not really the driving force. She is responsible for a lot of things that happen, but she isn't why those things happen, if that makes sense.
3: She's along for the ride. She's driven by her curiosity, and that's shown in, but she herself, even in her narration, frames... Herself as the observer and the scholar rather than a holistic component of the thing she's looking at, which is in many ways her fatal flaw that we see, especially in Trojan Green Asteroid.
0: I think that it's completely not malicious or anything but I think she is a little bit too scientifically curious about her girlfriend to truly realize that that might be dangerous for her girlfriend.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean for all that she talks about being as smart as Plunk, she doesn't really understand the, you know, nature of observation. Or Renko and Zune in general, they really like a lot of quantum physics illusions. And Renko really wants to have her cake and eat it, too, as far as interacting with something necessarily changes it, and observation requires interaction. And Renko doesn't have that connection in her head that she is a part of this.
0: She doesn't really realize that... By saying that, yes, you can pre- make your dreams into a reality, she is literally acting as the catalyst for that sort of thing to happen. So she, I think she just thinks that everything will stay stagnant so she can observe it to see how it best works. Whereas everything is changing before she can really get a complete understanding of it because of just the fact that she's there. Mm
3: -hmm. Mary's narration sort of in contrast, she's more reactive. She's more, you know, this is how I think about this thing that's happening. And, you know, how does this affect me? How does this feel? And obviously she's the one who's caught up in all of this directly and sort of has that understanding of it. Like, Renko is very supportive and encouraging, but that isn't necessarily what Mary always needs to hear.
0: Yeah, if anything, Mary probably needs somebody to pat her on the shoulder and say, hey, please calm down. You can take this as it goes. Whereas Renko really isn't the type of person to slow down with observing things. And she kind of pushes Maribel more into the circumstances that lead to, well, ironically enough, her own separation, like, on a mental level from understanding Maribel.
3: I think Renko is fundamentally the sort of person who, if she sticks a fork in an outlet and gets shocked, her reaction isn't that hurt. It's, I wonder if that happens every time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You can definitely see that in Trojan Green Asteroid. Like, she's just like, wow, we could have gotten really hurt there. Let's do that
1: again. Yeah, she's the type to just jump right in. And there's even a part specifically in Trojan Green Asteroid where she's just kind of looking at this crazy jungle in the space station. And she's just, like, analyzing everything and trying to, like, gather samples and stuff. And Mary's like, "What are you doing?" And she's her response is all scientifically minded people are like this. No, <laughs> Renko, that's that is not correct. You're yeah, just... she's, she's
3: a... that's mathematicians, and it's why we're not allowed near things that actually exist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think that actually, I was actually thinking about that. How it's uh, mentioned, I think specifically in astronomy and. Maybe Wait, isn't, I
0: just realized, Zun is a mathematician. Of course he thinks that scientifically-minded people would think like Renko do, because <laughs> he's the kind of person who thinks like Renko does.
2: <laughs> yes. See, that's why we have JT on the podcast after all.
0: <laughs> we have but our yeah. own Renko.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, there's the whole thing about how like science has been solved forever. And like it's physically impossible to go any any deeper in physics so they've just declared that all of physics is solved everything left is just philosophy which is why Renko's so happy to like find anything unexplainable and new and
0: yeah I guess that might also be why she isn't proper in her scientific methods because she's just never actually experienced a laboratory environment due to the fact that well there everything has been solved
1: That's definitely an aspect to her personality that I wanted to talk about because she is a physics student. In a world where physics is over, like it's done, there's nothing more to learn about physics. Or at
3: least that's what the prevailing wisdom
2: says. As we already saw, the medicine in this world is happy to declare someone mentally ill if they can't figure out what's wrong with her, so that same logic probably.
0: Everything is solved, and if something isn't solved, then just shove it away and say that you still solved everything.
2: Yeah, I think that actually said explicitly in some of the Mm -hmm. CDs that
3: It strikes me as a criticism of the popular view of science versus how science actually works.
4: Yeah, that's... yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't prove things. That's not how science works. You can come to a general consensus, but you can't prove things.
3: You can't reach a complete... Like, the the possibility of a complete body of knowledge does not exist in a world where basic arithmetic is considered knowledge.
4: Yes, Yes. Indeed.
1: (laughs) I believe it's mentioned that there was a unified theory of physics invented fairly recently in the story.
2: Wasn't it that super unified theory?
4: Yeah, they they have a theory of quantum gravity. But as with everything else about their future it might be a sort of hyper reality again. They may have simply declared quantum gravity and left it as a little black box that is not entirely solved yet, but they aren't willing or able to pursue it.
0: But It doesn't matter because it isn't relevant to us to solve it.
4: Yes, they're not curious for its own sake.
0: That's something I worry about in the sciences a lot with the system of economy that we have now. If something isn't relevant to the real world it might just end up completely
3: unresearched. It's not even the real world either, it's the...
0: If it's not profitable, basically. I
3: strongly beef with people framing things in terms of, you know, the real world. And this is a big thing we see in the Hifu CDs, because what is the real world?
0: Absolutely nothing is real.
3: The real world is what we're told the real world is, which right now is, well, what gets you a job, what gives you something to do with your time other than podcasting. Yes. And that's the real world, but even ignoring the whole philosophical question of, oh, everything is qualia, and are, are we in Plato's cave and all that, because that's unfalsifiable and kind of... Boring. Interesting to discuss, not... That's actually not applicable to reality because it's unfalsifiable.
0: Yes, <laughs> but essentially what I was trying to say is basically I'm worried that maybe everything being solved in science will just be because in the world of capitalism that we live in right now, the science that we still have left to learn just isn't useful. So say there isn't an actual theory of quantum gravity in Renko's future, say it's just, oh, quantum gravity exists. There's no reason to research it because the intersection of those two things really isn't relevant for the.
3: The University of Kyoto brought to you by Kellogg! <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think there's an obvious uh, comparison here to Torifune, which is an experiment that once things started going wrong, they just let it continue on its automated way out to the Lagrange points and never bothered to try and open it up to see what had happened.
0: If it's not relevant to the system of production we have right now, it's never going to be relevant, and we can just
4: toss it away into the Lagrange point.
3: And if it ever matters in the future, we can deal with it then. Well,
4: worse than that even, because Torifune wasn't done as pure research. It was a practical thing to try and reconstitute Earth's biosphere, but they weren't willing to expend the resources necessary to carry that out to the finish and just abandoned it when the going got tough.
1: It's kind of implied that there was some kind of massive disaster in the history of this world. Global warming. Yeah, and the most obvious conclusion is environmental collapse. Considering Tokyo
0: of... is underwater. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: you know, or third impact. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it's. No, that
1: would mean Rinko and Maribel would be at soup.
2: I think I got the impact from.
1: So this is kind of a world where everything is pretty bad. Things are bad, but it's kind of being not really thought about.
3: We get the anthropic principle applied here too, right? We don't see how bad things are because we see it from the perspective of people who can tell a story about it.
4: Yeah, but it's it's pretty bad. You can
0: see, even in the worst conditions, people will tell stories about things that aren't as bad, basically. So you can't really think of Maribel and Renko as reliable narrators about the state of the world, I guess. Only Zunes afterwards really say.
3: I think that they're reliable enough, but we're restricted to their perspective. We don't see what it's like for an ordinary person. We see what it's like for someone who's in a university and can spend their time and resources traveling in search of paranormal mysteries.
2: And yeah, I think it was mentioned, I think, in Dateless Bar that, for instance, they go to the old-style bar, which is specifically mentioned to be more expensive than usual. And it's mentioned, I think, that university students like almost completely live on their parents' money. Yeah, so clearly they both come from, like, affluent backgrounds.
4: Like, the implicit revelations are really the key thing there, because the fact that it's just an offhanded thing that not only is, like, it's not that there's, like, vat-grown meat or whatever mentioned. Vat-grown bamboo is a thing. The environment is so damaged that bamboo shoots are not something you can do without growing them in a lab.
0: Artificial strawberry and artificial egg is also mentioned. (laughs) Artificial egg is one of the things that made me go, whoa, what must the environment be like to not be able to raise chickens?
2: Yeah, but I mean, unless it's just they've decided that it's more efficient to make them in vats.
4: Right, and the same thing with the new style alcohol because, you know, we don't know if it really is some kind of futuristic wonder drink or if it's, you know, just... uh, Beer-flavored soda or whatever.
3: Optional Carmatrine.
2: <laughs> it's mind-control juice. You heard it her first.
3: All I'm saying is it would in fact be extremely thematically consistent for the Hifu Club and Valhalla to
4: take place in the same universe. That's true. Discuss. Yeah.
0: It really, really would,
4: wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and I'm just thinking from an economic perspective, though, you know, how could you possibly make new-style alcohol less expensive than old-style alcohol unless things were so bad, right?
0: I think old-style alcohol is more expensive because it's a novelty, like... Well, like lobster, basically. I went on a rant about lobster yesterday, and I am going to continue (laughs) to go on about it today. Lobster is only so expensive because people made it so expensive. People made it a delicacy, whereas it's not that hard to obtain, and it kind of tastes terrible. But because lobster and because old-style liquor are considered delicacies, the hip thing they're more expensive than the new style stuff it's also why water is sometimes more expensive
1: than soda in stores and in certain coca-cola owned south american countries yes
0: yes but i mean even here in the u.s
3: that's sort of the state of the world is there anything more you want to say on that topic because we do have mailbag questions to sort of get to.
1: Before we get to the mailbag questions, I want to specifically shout out Dateless bar old Adam because every CD has like one or two little like moments where Ranko and Mary's affection for each other is put on blatant, and obvious display, you can tell that they truly care for each other, and they're very gay and extremely dating. Dayless Bar, Old Adam explicitly has them waking up together in the morning with a hangover,
3: as friends do.
1: Yeah, and
0: they definitely have to fall asleep together to go to Torifune and Trojan Green Asteroid. Because the way that Maribel's been shown to share her visions is by putting her hands over Rinko's
1: eyes. Basically, it's in the text that they are always falling asleep together. (laughs) And it's in the text that they call each other by completely
0: honorificless names.
1: Yes, in a world where that does not make sense to do so, unlike Gensokyo, where everyone is just rude to each other. Gay rights. (laughs) Gay rights. Gay rights. Zun said gay rights. He actually did once. (laughs) (laughs) He he did, in fact, actually literally say that once, yes.
0: He said that it's not nice to make jokes about gay people. Zun literally did say gay rights.
4: Mailbag?
0: Yeah, mailbag. Yeah. So... Our first question is, please elaborate on what you said about Yukari's name in the demo. Well, we talked about this earlier, but her name used to be Suzukaze, and then it was changed to Yakumo, which they have actually pretty similar connotations as names.
3: Namely being super pretentious.
4: (laughs) Yes, extraordinarily pretentious names.
2: Like, is Suzukaze from somewhere? Is it the reference?
4: It means cool breeze, literally, but it's a very poetic, formal term. It's also been used as some people's pen names.
0: So it's not like changing the purpose of the name or anything. It's just, I think that this pompous name would fit better than this pompous name for particular, definite reasons.
2: If I remember correctly, I'm almost definitely going to get some names wrong, but... I believe it's in the Kojiki that Yakumo is the word used to describe the safe house, safe mansion beyond the world where Isana was it Susano? Maybe? Susano's
0: wife was kept and Rinosuke. Well, take everything with a grain of salt because it's Rinosuke, but he theorizes that it's because Yukari won't let the Shrine Maidens escape. But this was a chapter quite a while after that was released, so I don't know exactly how relevant that is. It's yeah, also Rinosuke,
2: it's... so... Yeah. yeah. It also means that, you know, Gensokyo is the place that Yukari can remain to keep all her wives. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do we have anything else to say about Suzukaze Yukari?
1: I think that's I think that's something that's for like a deeper dive into Hifu. Our
0: other mailbag question? By Amicable Stone. Only somewhat related to the topic, but what are some of your favorite music tracks, either from the series in general or specifically the CDs? Let's make this question
1: specifically about the Hifu CDs.
0: My personal yeah. favorite Toho song is Strange Bird of the Moon, Illusion of Mysterious Cat. A lot of people like to use Girls Seal Ling Club as the Hifu theme, but I think Strange Bird of the Moon Illusion of Mysterious Cat is really their real theme, because it gets into, like, musically, their similarities and differences and their personalities, whereas the other thing is just more like, we have boundless excitement to explore the mysteries of the universe. (laughs) That's Basically, Renko's idea of the ceiling club, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I like that, and it also just has a good amount of parallel structure in the music. Yeah. But I love literally every Hifu City song, so.
1: Mm-hmm. They're all so good. Um. Mm. Yeah. My favorite song off the Hifu CDs is Trojan Asteroid Jungle from Trojan Green Asteroid. Oh, that's a banger. It's a very nice song. I love it specifically because it has this very cute romantic feeling of exploring a space station together. Like, that's the feeling that it conveys to me. And with, like, a very 90s shoujo feeling on top of that, like, if there was a 90s shojo anime... Of the Hifus? You know, I think that
0: Zun's CDs are really good at portraying, like, places.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that comes through in his games as well. Mm-hmm. But listening to Trojan Asteroid Jungle really does just give me this, like, very romantic feeling of a cute date in the skies. And that's why I love it so much.
4: One of my favorite HeFu CD song is... Mary the Magician and unfortunately you know me and Katya with the relatively happy lightweight stuff I love the song because although it's very early it still carries a lot of the atmosphere of creeping dread that kind of pervades the Hefu stories as Mary uh, angsts about her strange dreams and about visiting other worlds and then eventually finding random pieces of stone from 25 million years ago in her back pocket you know that kind of thing, so it's a very very moody and very uh fitting for kind of the tone of the stories behind the uh like the underlying subtext.
0: You can really see the difference between Ranko and Mary's idea of what the ceiling club should be in their respective themes with Greenwich in the sky for Ranko too. Mary's just scared, I think you could also say that Yukari's pretty scared all the time That's too true. but That's Mm. for another episode.
2: And um, as for me, I guess it's been playing in my head all week. It's the (laughs) Neo Super Express from Retrospective 53 Minutes. It has such a strong train energy.
0: It really, (laughs) really does.
2: I can can literally be sitting on a train and Mm -hmm. listen to it and go, damn, I wish I was on a train right now. uh, You ever
3: go to those, like, YouTube videos where someone's just streaming video from a GoPro on the front of a train? (laughs) (laughs) That is like my number one thing to put up on my spare monitor when I'm trying to focus on something on one monitor. And it's Mm. just like someone driving a train through Norway on a, like, 36-hour loop of various trips. It's (laughs) it's amazing.
2: It's just such a, you know, relaxing song and it has that mood of going on a trip. But I, I guess besides that, it's hard to like pick a favorite. But one of the big ones is you know, good old Necrofantasia, and especially the Magical Astronomy version, which just it really amps up the like dramatic kind of orchestral side of it.
0: Yeah, Necrofantasia is a really really good song, and even among like the early Toho songs that have like stupidly big fan bases, it has definitely more of just a feeling to it you know yeah it has more of a absolutely just raw feeling in it
2: there's a few really like defining arranges of it that like you know have defined the whole song for me and are really like emotional and sh- powerful when i listen to them yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of what marks it that's one of my favorites overall
3: so my favorite Hefu song is Celestial Wizardry off Magical Astronomy, because I'm a sucker for any and every voyage range.
0: That's... you're so valid.
3: <laughs> I think it's just sort of a good atmospheric kind of track that sort of gets the mood for the Hifus pretty well.
0: Yeah. I feel I don't like... don't have,
3: like, strong... My, my musical analysis brain is, is tiny... I don't I don't have any brain cells that do music well, so <laughs> I think I'm just gonna leave it at that. I don't um, have any
1: brain cells in general, so I completely understand. I think we kind of wanna just like keep talking about Hifu for like several episodes. Yes. I yeah. don't
3: know if we wanna do a whole long big series of Hifu or if we just wanna say that like the first episode of a month is just designated Hifu territory. <laughs> that
0: would probably Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I'm on board uh, with that.
3: Alright, so start of October, we will have our next Tifu episode. I'm not here next week. What all are we talking about, the rest of you?
1: Does anyone yeah. want to do Legacy of Lunatic Kingdom? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. yes.
4: Oh, yes. I'm sure. Yeah, I have. I have plenty of thoughts <laughs> on uh, the Sea Where One's Home plant Reflects and Pure Furies to blab about, so...
1: I'm going to be charging an I Love Junko spirit bomb for the rest of the week <laughs> that I will unleash uh, next Saturday on everyone. Um, <laughs> next Saturday, so I hope we shall behind. be down to clown. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, I hope someone will take... Uh, my Sagume energy from me like the sky off the shoulders of Atlas
0: <laughs> I'll talk about a Sagu don't worry about it
3: awesome <laughs>
1: yeah. so I guess that's it I, yeah. Yeah, that was our introduction to the Hiku club <laughs> uh, which we kind of f- made up as we went along and will hopefully polish as we get deeper into it I had a schedule
2: Yeah, what does the schedule say? <laughs>
1: The schedule,
3: uh... (laughs) (laughs) indeed, care to take us out.
0: We have been the outside world.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Take your time.
0: We have been the Outside World Occultists, and we will see you next week.
1: Don't forget to send us any mailbag questions.
0: Especially if they're about Legacy of Lunatic Kingdom or Gay Hell Spirit. Yes. And goodbye. Bye.
2: Bye. 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 Bye.